Welcome to the Cherry Becker Tax Beat, a conversation about tax that matters. Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Becker Tax Beat Podcast. Today's topic is some much welcome relief for S Corporation owners, uh, primarily in the context of inadvertent drafting errors in organizational documents. The IRS has released fairly recently a revenue procedure to help deal with these situations in an automatic uh, manner. All right, we'll talk about this relief, where it can work best, where we're going to see it most often, and how to comply. And then we'll address a few other issues specific to S corporations. All right, joining the conversation today on our podcast, Barry Wines, director with the firm's national tax practice and a member of the firm's tax transaction advisory team. Hello, Barry. How's it going today? Good, Brooks. How you doing? I'm here in sunny Tampa where we've uh, gotten uh, some warm weather back. Hey, what's your temperature today? Uh, we're going to be about mid-70s. To say we are jealous is probably an understatement. So, um, I actually had to run my fireplace on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So when they're referring to white Christmas, they're referring to the stand, I guess, in your neck yes. of the woods. All right. And as always, joining me is Sarah McGregor from Greenville. How's life treating you, Sarah? Life is good, Brooks. Looking forward to the new year, some bowl games, and uh, getting on to what's next. Yes. Um, I guess there are a few more hundred college bowl games left, given there are like 400 of them these days or some, something like that. Um, That's right. We're, we're getting down to the important ones now. Yeah, I am um, I'm looking forward to the NFL playoff situation rounding out. All righty. And, um, and I'm Brooks Nelson calling in from Richmond, and we are not at 75 degrees today. <laughs> but, but anyway, we're no. not so bitter cold as we were, I guess, 10 days ago when it was like zero. Yes. All right. So let's move on. Uh, for the last, uh, let's even take it further than five, 20 years, you know, there's just been a huge uh, explosion of S corporations in our practice. Maybe you could even take, go back to 86 ish when they first came in. Um, for a while, I would say, you know, LLC slash partnerships became the uh, almost the predominant default entity for small business owners. But then we started seeing more and more companies uh, looking at the self-employment tax aspect of it and making S-elections with entities or setting up S-corporations. So uh, as we stand today, there are more S-corporations than any other entity floating out there. S-corporations are still very popular um, for the situation I described and other ones as well. So um, very relevant. Um, one of the you know, age old issues with S corporations is um, termination through technical defaults. And there are numerous of these technical defaults. Many of them are inadvertent and nobody ever meant to actually use or take advantage of a potential uh, provision in an operating agreement that may have led to one of these problems, but nonetheless, um, if you went to the letter of the law, it could certainly create major issues. A lot of these issues come up in due diligence scenarios. You know, in the last five years, we've certainly seen a, a large uptick in acquisitions of closely held businesses, particularly in the private equity space. So, I mean, the issues of the validity of your S election come up in that process all the time as well. 
So that's where we uh, enter into today's conversation. The IRS releases revenue procedure 2022-19 um, with a lot of, on the surface, exciting relief. I think the more you get into it, there's more nuances to it than it first appears. But uh, that's what we're going to be going over is what this revenue procedure offers us versus the uh, traditional cure of going to get private letter rulings. So I've talked more than I should here. So let's go to Barry, the expert. Um, just talk in general about why it's important to maintain proper qualification as an S Corp. What, do, you know, what does that mean and what are the ramifications if you don't? Well, obviously, if you've set up an entity and you intended it to be an S-Corp, you're doing that to accomplish specific tax goals. So one of the things that you've got to be careful of, more so than any of the other entity types being partnerships or C-Corps, is there are, as, as you've said, Brooks, these footfalls that can all of a sudden cause you to lose that tax attribute treatment as as a flow through entity and once that happens now you become a c corp now you're into the double level of tax which is the whole purpose of setting up the s corp is to avoid that double level of tax tax inside the company tax when the money's pulled out so really the the reason you want to do that is to, and maintain your qualification is to keep all of that planning that you put in place um applicable so Barry, talking about those those um, errors that could cause, I mean, the S corporations are a, an entity defined by the tax code and having all these qualifications. What do you see as the uh, common issues that S corporations run into where they have to go and ask for uh, permission from the IRS to get relief? So there's two main areas. The first surrounding the uh, election, the original election. Did everybody sign it who needed to? Was it properly signed and filed on time? And those type of issues. The IRS has put out uh, quite a few revenue procedures over the last 10 or 12 years to help you correct some of those footfalls, you know, um, especially like common law states, uh, or community property states where maybe the spouse didn't sign, things along those lines. So they've already put out a lot on those issues to help avoid having to go through the, the costly and time-consuming process of asking permission um, and, and getting approval for that. What this rev rule does is it addresses, or RevProc does, is it addresses the other set of issues, which is around the governing documents. So a lot of times these especially with an LLC, you'll see standard language, LLC language is normally intended um, to be partnerships. So you have all these languages about allocations and distributions in accordance with capital accounts and things along those lines. And what happens is sometimes it's poor drafting, sometimes it's sloppy drafting, sometimes it's inadvertence. You just see these provisions not being removed properly, which then can lead to the potential question, hey, is this really an S-Corp? Have I violated the two classes of stock, which we know S-Corps can only have one, and that's where the argument is. Usually it's inadvertent, 
nobody ever intended for these to actually have any applicability. It's language left over from just the standard, again, boilerplate. And that's really what this RevProc is, is attempting to deal with, is that second set of issues where the service hasn't had to uh, put out guidance and it has been making the all of these PLRs over the last number of years. Okay, so let me reset here. Uh, we have, you know, what we're what we're talking about here is you've made an S selection or you've set up an S corporation. You've been going along several years, uh, avoiding double tax. You've been making distributions, and then all of a sudden you find out maybe you are not a qualified S corp or you have, uh, had a footfall or eligible rule, and the tax cost of that can be prohibitive. And that, you know, so. Uh, that's, you know, the situation you find yourself in. And again, sometimes that's found out on due diligence. Sometimes it's found out when you change CPAs. Sometimes it's found out when you have an IRS audit, whatever the case. But I mean, it's a significant amount of money uh, on when, if you start looking at reclassifying your S Corp activity in a C Corp world. So that's when we have been looking to making private letter ruling requests. Uh, to cure some of these issues, and that can be, you know, run fifty thousand dollars ish, uh, you know, for even the simplest of private letter rules. Not to mention that's a year, you know, if you're lucky, a year, a process that takes a year, um, and it could be significantly longer in some cases. So that's what this new revenue procedure is trying to cure, uh, going through the private letter ruling requests. To cure, you know, to cure this other, you know, this uh, this scary tax uh, issue. So, give us a little background uh, on the revenue procedure itself, Sarah. All right. Well, I served on the AICPA's S Corporation uh, Tax Resource Panel, and um, for several years ago, and we heard first that the IRS was really inundated with these letter ruling requests. And they were very common. They were getting the same situation over and over again. And it usually came when an S corporation was about to be involved in a transaction. And the buyer wanted to make sure that the S corporation election was intact and appropriately managed in oversight for numbers of years. And it could have been, uh, well, wait a minute, maybe distributions were not on a per share per day or li equal liquidation approach. Maybe the language in the agreement didn't didn't match up exactly right, but the distributions and everything was treated as an S corporation. Everybody thought they were an S corporation. They were operating as an S corporation. But hey, there were these um, uh, uns unsatisfied issues that needed to be addressed. Well, the IRS was really using up a lot of its very limited resources trying to address these issues, which at the end of the day provided a lot of comfort to the buyer of the S corporation, but didn't really change the ultimate tax facts and circumstances. The S corporations were filed, the shareholders were reporting their income and paying the tax, and they were moving on. And soon this was going to be into some different kind of ownership situation, the business. So first, they had announced a um, uh, an informal, hey, we're not going to rule on these areas anymore. And there were about three areas that um, were announced. I think it was at an ABA meeting. 
<clears throat> well, of course, the tax professional community said, wait, wait, we need something in writing. Can you help us out here? If you're not going to rule, where does that leave us? Uh, what about all the, the requests that have been filed? Can we still file a request? And then you tell us, no, you're not going to rule on this area. What do we do? Um, so rolling forward five years later, we got this revenue procedure, which officially says, hey, we, the IRS, are not going to respond to private letter ruling requests in these areas if it meets these facts. You'll have automatic approval uh, if you make appropriate corrections. And um, there was no intent um, to avoid tax in what you were doing. Follow these guidelines and you'll be fine. In some cases, they would like you to file information with the IRS, and in some cases, they would uh, just want you to put some documentation in a drawer. And sorry, the corporate records of the entity, basically put it in a drawer um, and move on. So that's really is solving a problem. They've been trying to provide some relief and to streamline the process to avoid the necess necessity for private letter rulings. Um, and also cut down a number of them that were coming in that the chief counsel's office was having to deal with. All right, so Barry, let's look, take a harder look at the revenue procedure itself. What are the key points? Um, what are the circumstances it's trying to address? So it really addresses like six specific items surrounding um, the disqual potential disqualification of the, of the S-Corp. The first five have really been addressed before. The IRS has, has, has issued guidance. In some cases, they point you to that guidance and said, if this other guidance doesn't, doesn't uh, cover it, you still need to do a PLR. So it's really summarizing that. The one where it's made the main difference is in what's called a non-identical governing provision. And so what these are is these are the potential things where the distributions aren't going to be equal um the div there's the distributions and liquidation rights aren't going to be potentially equal these are the things we talked about in the, generally in the llc agreements so this P, this revproc is intended to cure that main problem and that's where it does is it goes through steps that you can take and the qualifications you need to have in order for this to apply so that's the main focus of this revproc so how does an S-corporation um, comply with what's here in this revenue procedure? So in order to be eligible, you have to meet certain eligibility requirements. The first one says, okay, you've got one of these non-identical governing provisions. Okay, that's fine. Two is the IRS hasn't come to you and said, hey, you've got a problem. So those are the, the two, the two main ones. The, there's two others. One is the you can't have made disproportionate distributions which means i can't have distributed money that's not in proportion to shares of, of ownership the pro rata piece so one of the things you would have to do is if you had some of these discrepancies in the past we would probably recommend you let's clear that up let's get that fixed let's make those distributions so that we can attest to the fact that we do not have disproportionate distributions. Timing is not a problem. If I distribute $10,000 to a shareholder today, if I distribute $10,000 to the other shareholder in a 50-50 tomorrow or next week, that's okay. So we would want that corrected. 
The other thing you have to look at is all of the tax returns have to have been timely filed. So generally that means by the due date with extensions, you can actually be up to six months late but from the original due date. So if you've extended your return and don't file by the extended date, you're, you're late and you therefore would not comply, would not qualify under this RevProc. If you didn't file an extension, but filed the return by the quote extended due date, you should qualify. So that's the first thing you have to look at for all of the years that we're talking about, do you meet the eligibility requirements? So that's the first step. The second step is, is creating what they call this corporate governing provision statement. And this is almost like the process you would think that we would go through if we were doing a PLR. So you have to identify the entity, you have to identify the period of the, the S election, you have to identify all of the, what they call applicable shareholders, which means shareholders who were at any time shareholders at any point when these governing provisions were in, in the agreement. So if somebody has left, you're going to need to get them to sign the required shareholder statement. And then what you have to do is you have to provide a description of all of the facts about how did these things get in there? How, how were they discovered? What did you do to correct them? How did you um, how quickly did you correct them? The fact that you acted it reasonably in good faith in correcting and removing these upon discovery that they've never really been applied in any such way that has caused a second class of stock. So you're going to need the corporate shareholders and officers to attest to all of this and then have a shareholder statement. And then at the end of all of this, you put it in a neat little package. And as Sarah said, you stick it in a drawer somewhere. Right. And if, if the IRS comes knocking, you provide it all to them at that point. Yeah, you do have to fix that governing document too. I mean, correct, you got to go correct. back and get it wrapped. Because that's so it is part correct. of the process is what steps have you yeah. done to fix that? So when you discover it, don't sit on it for six months or a year and said, oh, I'll get around to fixing it. You want to show that you've acted in good faith and attempted to get that corrected as soon as possible. Yeah. So how do you think uh, this will be perceived in the M&A community? I'm skeptical that it will help because as a buyer, you're always concerned about risk. So the risk is what happens if the service comes in and I give them this all, all this little package and they say, well, we don't think you did this in good faith. We don't think this is and we're not going to accept this because it doesn't really say one way or the other that the IRS is bound to accept this if you present it to them. So I, I think I'm a little skeptical of how that that would play out. I think it gives comfort to the seller. So I think Probably what will happen is these days, because there's so many potential footfalls, what you'll find is buyers doing what we call an FREORG transaction. So they don't technically acquire the S-Corp. That historical entity stays with the sellers. Um, I think that probably continues. I don't know if it shifts. In some cases, it may make it easier um, if, if there's a compelling reason to do that. Um, so I'm not sure that it's going to be the be all end all uh, for this. But if you're operating an S corp, it's a lot better 
forget about a transaction to have this comfort of knowing, hey, I fixed this, I discovered a problem, I fixed it. The IRS says if I if I behave and provide all this information, I should be good. So there is a comfort level for for that piece from a sort of an operational point of view. All right. Um Let's take a quick sidestep here before we uh, wrap. Um, as we roll into preparation season, 2022 calendar year tax returns, uh, Sarah, what are other issues uh, as corporations and their shareholders should be thinking about? Uh, certainly. Well, there's been new information. I think Schedule K2 and K3 reporting international activity came out. Uh, to play on 2021 returns. So this will be year two for this. The IRS has now streamlined the requirements for who can file and who can meet a uh, domestic activity exception. That is if the if the S corporation and or its shareholders uh, don't need the K2, K3 information or they have very little international activity, then it's easier for the S corporation not to have to prepare Schedule K2 and the K issue the K3s to the shareholders. Um, and so there's still nothing, they haven't finalized the instructions yet, it's getting very close, but it looks like uh, the, that there'll be an easy way to, an easier way to deal with that uh, for this year. The IRS continues to focus on um, two areas they think are uh, ripe with missteps and perhaps even abuse or confusion. Um, and that is dealing with whether distributions from an S corporation are taxable to the shareholder and should be reported and paid tax on because they're over and above or in excess of stock basis, or they come out of accumulated earnings and profits from when the S corporation was a C corporation. Have, have those distributions been properly reported if they're taxable? And secondly, whether shareholders are claiming um, losses and deductions in excess of their basis in their S corporation stock. So the IRS still believes that those two areas are um, uh, important areas where there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of uh, tax is not being reported properly as a result of those two issues. Okay, that's a lot to think about. All right, so let's move on to final comments. Uh, Barry, um, what is your overall words of wisdom at this point on, on our friendly revenue procedure? I think anybody who has an, has one of these issues should avail themselves of the revenue procedure without regard to how it's going to play out in a transaction, because the longer you let it sit, if the IRS comes in, remember one of the requirements is they can't have discovered it. So I think people should take advantage of it. Every S Corp should look through their governing documents, make sure they don't have one of these footfalls, and if they do, go through the process, do what's required, and then have a little bit more comfort on a go-forward basis. Uh, and I would I would just emphasize, especially if you were an LLC uh, doing a check-the-box situation. Absolutely. If, if you've got LLC in your name, it's good. It's going to take you 10 or 15 minutes to read through the organizing documents to realize whether you have a problem or not. Go find them, make sure you have the updated ones, and make sure nothing has changed. You're here. All right, sir. Uh, I would say 
since we're beginning to look at 2022 tax returns, this is a great time to revisit all the issues and confirm qualification for S-corporation status. And uh, if there are other issues associated with this, do you have the that, that are resolved by this revenue procedure, then by all means, take advantage of it. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, that's a wrap on this discussion on the S-corporation S relief from revenue procedure 2022-19. Maybe the last time I get to say 2022 in a while, but we'll see. All right, providing the path for some S-corporations to make corrections on technical errors, foot faults in their organizational documents. Uh, thank you for listening in. Quick disclaimer that we are not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor, hopefully at Cherry Beckert, with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast. Uh, also, feel free to reach out to our great expert, Barry Wines. Um, check out the firm's website at cbh.com for the latest guidance and materials on this and other tax and business topics. Uh, this concludes today's podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. Let's call it a day and go forth in peace. Mm -hmm.